two sermons back, Colossians 3 verse 13 called each of us to a decision to forgive everyone in our lives who need our forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 reads, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. Did you catch it? Just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive. How exactly has the Lord forgiven you? How exactly has the Lord forgiven me? Immediately, fully, unconditionally, and at personal cost. When a believer discounts or disregards or disobeys Colossians 3 verse 13's command to forgive, then a predictable negative emotion happens. It's the predictable negative emotion of anger. If we refuse to forgive when challenged by the Holy Spirit to do so, if we persist in that unforgiving posture, then we can expect to be angry. Today we're in Ephesians 4, 26 to 32, and we're going to consider three biblical types of anger. Let me overview them with you first. Righteous indignation anger. Second, embittered anger. Third, irrational rage anger. So let's take these one by one, but first let's read the verses in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 26 to 32, hear the word of God. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sin go down or the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And so the first type of anger in that passage is righteous indignation anger. And we're actually commanded to have this kind of anger. Be angry, it says in verse 26a, and yet do not sin. So this righteous indignation anger in and of itself is not sin. Why would the Bible command us to sin and to have this kind of anger? Well, it isn't sin based on some conditions. We're to have this righteous indignation, anger, over things which anger God. 
For example, someone defrauding a senior citizen out of money, child abuse, human trafficking, cruelty to animals, abortion, things that anger God, we're commanded to be angry about without sinning. The Greek word for righteous indignation, anger, is orge. Orge is the Greek word here in verse 26a, and our Lord and Savior felt orge, anger. I mean, he forcibly kicked the gouging, money gouging, money changers out of his father's temple with a whip. When we say, what would Jesus do and wear a bracelet, we don't often think about casting evil people out of the church building with a whip. Jesus Christ felt orge, righteous indignation, anger, when he considered any adult who would cause a little believing child to stumble, and he said it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone tied around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's righteous indignation, anger. Jesus also had this orge, righteous indignation, anger, when he encountered the hypocrisy of Israel's religious leaders. You brood of vipers. You whitewashed burial tombs. Oh yes, the Lord had righteous indignation, anger. And of course, our Lord couldn't sin, and our Lord didn't sin, but he experienced orge, righteous indignation, anger. And as I pointed out, that verse 26 commands you and me to have this righteous indignation, anger. 26, be angry, and yet do not sin. And so how is it that we can have righteous indignation, anger, and not sin? Answer, we resolve that good and appropriate righteous indignation, anger, by sundown of the same day we feel it. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. This brings us to the second kind of anger in the passage. Not only is there righteous indignation anger, but there is embittered anger. Embittered anger. Verse 26, the whole verse. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Second kind of anger. The word here is parorgasmas. Orge anger is righteous indignation anger. Parorgasmos anger is embittered anger. It's orge, righteous indignation anger, that got past its best before date of sundown. As a boy, I had a very, very bad experience with sour milk. Not because of my parents' negligence, but because of a crazy elementary school teacher that thought we should understand what rotten milk tasted like day by day. To this day, if the milk in our refrigerator is there long enough, that it may have soured or spoiled, I asked Beth to check it for me. It's biblical, like the cupbearer in the Old Testament. I can't bear the thought of even smelling sour milk. 
God says that even orge, righteous indignation, anger, has a best before date, an expiry date, a finite shelf life. And the best date before comes very quickly on even righteous indignation, anger. It comes in hours, not in days. It comes by the sunset of the same day you felt the righteous indignation, anger. By sundown that day, process that anger. If you don't, it becomes parorgasmos anger, embittered anger. This is why the policy that married couples not go to bed for overnight angry with each other is so wise. Now, if milk goes far enough past its expiration date and it gets vinegary and sour and it gets lumpy and becomes buttermilk. My maternal grandfather from Ireland loved buttermilk. Ugh. That is a huge yuck to me. When orge, righteous indignation, anger, goes past its shelf life of sundown the same day, it sours into par orgasmos, anger, embittered anger. 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your par orgasmos, anger. Embittered, Par orgasmos anger, I'm here to tell you, is the devil's playground. If you tolerate par orgasmos embittered anger, you are inviting the devil in the soil of your mind and your heart to sow the seeds of all manner of weeds. The Christian who will not forgive and who is the house, the container of parorgasmos and bittered anger, that Christian is playing into the devil's hands and the devil will use that unforgiveness in that believer's mind and heart and produce all kinds of sins. Pride. Self-righteousness, a lack of love, expecting the worst of the other person, a critical spirit, gossip, slander, the cold shoulder, the silent treatment. Probably, and I'm not thinking about anybody in particular, Probably, though, some of you who are in the sound of my voice, either here in the sanctuary or on the live stream or on the video recording of this message, probably some of you are toting around buttermilk. It's been so long for you that you've come to think that having to pinch your nose to drink your par august moss embittered anger is somehow normal and common to everyone. It isn't. It isn't. The normal Christian life is to be free of that bondage, to be liberated from that jail. 
And so I would urge any who need to, to stop drinking buttermilk. Stop being embittered against someone else. Stop drinking the poison that you hope will kill the person you won't forgive. Stop letting the devil water and fertilize weeds in the garden of your mind and your heart. As the passage before us unfolds, verses 28 to 30 move along to other topics. They move along from good anger to bad past expiry date anger, and then two other interpersonal sins are sprinkled in before it comes back to anger. And those two interpersonal sins that are sprinkled in in the treatise against anger being kept are stealing and unwholesome words. That's an interesting connection. The text is talking about forgiving. It's talking about different kinds of anger. And it says, by the way, it has something to do when you steal. Maybe you're so unforgiving about your employer that you think you can steal from him and it's okay. Maybe you're so unforgiving with your spouse that unwholesome words can come out of you and you rationalize them as being all right. It's interesting that in this passage on anger, sprinkled in in the middle of the passage is the prohibition against stealing and the command not to speak unwholesome words to others. Well, we go on. Verse 31 circles back from stealing and unwholesome words. It swings back to anger and it gives us a third and most serious kind of anger. Not only do we have orge anger, righteous indignation, not only do we have parorgasmas anger, embittered anger, but we have thumas anger, thumas. This is irrational rage anger. If parorgasmas embittered angers allowed to fester long enough in the person who's unforgiving, then they can become irrational in their anger, rageful in their anger, uncontrolled in their anger. Thumas, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath, there it is, thumas, and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Live with righteous indignation, anger, orge anger long enough, and you're going to get embittered. You're going to be soured buttermilk. You're going to have par orgasmos anger, which the devil uses as a playground in your mind and in your heart. Live with embittered, soured buttermilk, par orgasmos anger long enough, and you get enslaved, imprisoned to irrational, raging, wrathful, thumos anger. That's when a person exchanges their buttermilk for a fist, exchanges their buttermilk for an uttered threat, exchanges their buttermilk for assault and battery, 
exchanges their buttermilk even in a deadly weapon. (laughs) Don't think you're possibly capable of thumas anger. Think again. The Lord Jesus said, if you call someone raka, R-A-C-A, raka, then your anger greatly offends both God and the person. And the Lord Jesus was teaching that the same angry motives that led to murder also lead to mean and hurtful name-calling. Whoa. That's a whoa. That's a wake-up call. If in your anger... You call somebody raka, which you're not going to do because it's Aramaic. If you, in your anger, call something, he's good for nothing. She's an empty head, an airhead. He's a fool. She's a brainless idiot. Jesus says when you're angry and call someone as common as an idiot, you're guilty enough to go to hell. You can check that out for yourself, Matthew 5, 22 to 23. Matthew 5, 22 to 23. Wow. It's a hop, skip, and a jump from orge to parorgasmos to thumos. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump. It's as easy as falling off a log to move from orge anger to parorgasmos anger. It's as easy as falling off a log to move from parorgasmos anger to thumos anger. Beware. Beware. Watch out for unwillingness to forgive someone. Watch out. Righteous indignation morphs into embittered anger. And with time, embittered anger can escalate into irrational, raging, wrathful, violent anger. I think that we are all smart enough to know with the criminal element in our city, that we are recklessly foolish if we lean on our horn when someone cuts us off in traffic. It could be armed. It could be the last act of our lives that hitting that horn could be the last thing to do before they shoot us. Because so many carry around thumas anger for any number of reasons. So I have a question for myself. You listen in. Who must I forgive today before I go to bed? Maybe you could ask the same question. Who must you forgive today before you go to bed? Who? As we pray and ask the Lord for that kind of information, he doesn't speak audibly, I don't believe, but he lays an impression on our hearts. And I would say this, if you earnestly, honestly, humbly, 
ask the Holy Spirit if you owe forgiveness to anyone, he will impress it on your heart immediately who that person is, who those persons are. Then tell them you forgive them before you lay your head on the pillow tonight. And if you've been living with buttermilk, par orgasmos, embittered anger, when you do that forgiving, the Holy Spirit comes into the fertile soil of your mind and your heart and he eradicates those weeds. Only he can do that as you act in obedience to his word. Okay, so you ask the Lord, is there anybody I am to forgive before bedtime tonight? And he impresses on your heart Mrs. McGillicuddy. We don't have a Mrs. McGillicuddy in the church on purpose. Mrs. McGillicuddy. So then you contact Mrs. McGillicuddy and say, we've had this strained relationship. I haven't been speaking to you. I've been avoiding you at church. I may have been gossiping about you, but Mrs. McGillicuddy, I forgive you for what went wrong in our friendship. And I ask you, would you please forgive me for gossiping and cold shouldering? And that's how you do it. Oh, Pastor, that's hard to do. Would you rather have weeds in your heart and your mind? Pastor, I, 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 I don't know if I can do that. Would you rather escalate to violent, irrational rage? You can do it. Whatever God's will is for our lives, it's always possible. Whatever God wills and commands for our lives as believers is possible. The author of this holy book lives inside us if we're redeemed. We've got a home field advantage on Satan. We have the author of Scripture living in us. Full time. 24-7. So then, verse 32. The Holy Spirit ties a bow on this passage with this verse. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. God is kind, so he's forgiven you in Christ. God is tenderhearted, so he's forgiven you in Christ. If you're unforgiving, you're not kind, you're mean. If you're unforgiving, you're not tenderhearted, you're stonehearted. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Would you stand with me, please? Let's look to the Lord. Lord, the supreme forgiver, we would want to have a family resemblance to you. By your Holy Spirit's enabling 
Give us obedience that we would not be owing our forgiveness to anyone by bedtime tonight. Lord, we know that when we forgive and do the right thing, it's kind. It's spiritually heart tenderizing and it's patterned after the Savior and his forgiveness. Lord, for those of us who have moved past orge, anger, and are laboring in the quagmire of par-orgasmos, anger, deliver us by moving us to forgive. For those of us, Lord, who've taken up residence with thumos, anger, Deliver us by granting us grace to forgive. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us so that you will help us deal with our anger so that our hearts and our minds can be filled with Scripture and not with thorny weeds. We pray these things grateful for your forgiveness and strength. And we pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.